Welcome to this episode of the Business of Practice podcast, where we focus on the financial and human sides of equine veterinary medicine. In this episode, Amy Grice, VMD MBA, is going to talk to us about equine veterinary practice trends. Dr. Grice was an equine practitioner for more than 20 years before starting veterinary business consulting. She advises veterinarians and practice owners on a wide variety of projects and challenges, and she's the current AAEP treasurer. I'm Kim Brown, editor of Equimanagement. The Business of Practice podcast is brought to you by Care Credit. Welcome, Dr. Grice. Thank you for having me again. It's so, so nice to be back. Well, I tell you what, I am just thrilled that you're back here to talk about this survey that you conducted in early November of 21, where you got 312 equine veterinarians to offer their opinions and insights on topics ranging from income to veterinarian wellness. And I just want to put a plug in here. Listeners to the podcast can read your in-depth article with lots of charts and statistics on that survey on equimanagement.com by searching for the title, State of Equine Veterinary Practice 2021 Survey. That's State of Equine Veterinary Practice 2021 Survey. And we'll make sure to include that in the article on Equimanagement for this podcast if you want to uh, go look it up that way. And there's also going to be more information provided from this survey by Dr. Grice in the spring issue of Equimanagement Magazine. So having said all these ways that they can get all this in-depth, Let's just start a little bit with some of the highlights of the survey and maybe even start on some of the top things that you think came out of this survey, Dr. Grice. Well, you know, and the idea for the survey was really because I was thinking about the AAEP convention and starting to get uh, some t- uh, of my talks together. And I thought, gosh, you know, I really want to check in with how people are doing. And one of the things I really wanted to know, um, I had a lot of an- anecdotal information, but, you know, were people having trouble hiring staff? Were people having trouble hiring associate veterinarians? It certainly seemed that way from talking to folks um, and in the paper reading about the great resignation and things like that. Um, and so those were some really interesting questions. And I split the questions into hiring staff, um, non-veterinary staff, and then also the question about hiring veterinarians, associates. And also the the uh, question was hiring and retaining so that people sort of were able to tell us if they were having trouble keeping the people they already had. And so the first question about hiring and retaining non-veterinary staff members was interesting because 17% reported that they had no staff members. Um, And so that was in line with what we found uh, in 2016 when we did that study with the AVMA where 16% of the respondents in that study had no staff. So that's a thing. Um, you know, just being a lone warrior out there with no staff. But of those that that normally have staff, um, people were having trouble. And in the comments that they made, it wasn't so much they were having a lot of trouble retaining them. They were having trouble finding, um, you know, quality, well-qualified folks to help them with administrative or assistant kind of things in the truck. 
um, some of the comments were were kind of funny. In fact, with that regard, um, then as far as hiring veterinarians, um, people uh, the majority of people were were having uh, some kind of difficulty, and many were you know were almost throwing up their hands and saying, "This is impossible." Uh, the comments um, in the question talked about, you know, having having job positions advertised for, you know, eight months, 10 months, several years, and either having like one or two applicants or very, very few or none, you know. And so, it, you know, people were expressing their frustration um, and how hard it was to keep going um, without having having people to hire. So, you know, the 312 respondents certainly backed up the anecdotal information that I'd I'd been uh, hearing. Um, And, you know, when when this uh, survey also asked, so I've heard practices are a lot busier than they were. And that was certainly something the statistics came out in the AVMA for just veterinary practices in general. which are obviously mostly companion animal practices. And I thought, so let's see about the equine side. And, you know, so the question was um, a sort of how was your practice busier in uh, 2021 compared to 2020? Um, and then also how was it busier um compared in 2020 compared to 2019. Um, And, you know, we had uh, big majorities, like two thirds to almost three quarters of people that were, um, you know, saying we earned more revenue, we had, we worked more hours, there were more invoices and appointments, we had more new clients. Um, And then almost half saw more emergencies, you know, so practices were really busy. And what was amazing to me is that when we, we asked first about 2020 compared to 2019, right. And things were like crazy busy and then asking, well, what happened in 2021? Well, the storm just got heavier and practices were even busier in 2021 than they had been in 2020. So people's, um, you know, they can't hire help and yet they're so much busier, more appointments, more emergent, you know, like having your head in a vice, you know. Fortunately, um, what came out of that though was that practices were doing better financially. But Um, Was that enough to offset all that work? You know, because the equine veterinarians are really busy already. (laughs) And then the last two years happened. Um, So it's kind of a perfect storm. The, um, The perfect storm and the busyness and the, and the lack of ability to help people to pull the wagon and carry the load made me want to ask in this survey some questions that sort of got to whether people were still thriving 
or whether they were really starting to struggle some. And so what I found um, in asking that question was that I, I sort of I had a list of, of uh, both um, sort of self-help um, kind of things and also a list of things that could be considered worrisome for somebody being stressed or starting to get burned out. Things like, how often do you, you know, talk to friends? How often do you exercise? Um, how often do you drink alcohol? <laughs> now, some of us may think of that as self-help, but um, but it could also get to an extreme. Um, one really interesting thing that I found was that uh, the when when we were split in into uh, experience levels. Those that had more than 20 years experience uh, as a veterinarian were the ones most likely to have alcohol every single day. (laughs) So I can relate to that. I love my glass of wine before dinner. Um, So it was it was pretty interesting to see that, but also um, backed up some of the. the recent wellness studies um, that show that the graduates that are, or those veterinarians that are closer to their graduation, less years of experience as a veterinarian, are some of the ones that have a higher um, incidence of things like anxiety, depression, sadness, um, struggling, losing their um, ability to have caring and compassion, like just being done sometimes on a particular day. Um, And so I think, uh, you know, it is a perfect storm. Thank goodness practices are doing well financially because that is a silver lining at least so that practices do have the means to try and make their positions more attractive compete a little better with the positions in companion animal. Um, We don't know if this um, sort of increase in in busyness and revenue and whether is this going to last? We don't really know. You know, we've never gone through any situation like this pandemic um, where people are reevaluating what's important to them. Yeah. We just don't know. The Business of Practice podcast is brought to you by Care Credit. Care Credit keeps equine veterinarians at the heart of care by providing horse owners with simple, budget-friendly financing options. By bridging the gap between cost and care, Care Credit supports healthy financial relationships between veterinarians and their clients. It can help them move forward with care a horse needs whenever and wherever it's needed. When you're talking about trying to find some of this vet and non-vet help, I know that you're a proponent of looking, and you've talked about this before in other podcasts and articles, you get a veterinarian that's got one and a half times as much work as they can handle. So they don't really have enough work to bring in an associate, but they are stressed and about to burn out. So what have you found and what's some of your advice for those folks that are listening? Well, certainly, um, although 
all staff are hard to find. If you could find an assistant to be in the truck with you, whether that assistant is just driving and and being someone who helps carry your heavy things, unpack them, pack them back up. It doesn't even have to be a horsey person. That horse, that person does not have to handle the horses, but imagine how less tired you would be if you had somebody to drive you around and carry the heavy stuff and maybe even clean your buckets, you know, um, retired people um, can often really enjoy going out and doing that a several days a week. So think a, a little outside the box, you know, um, another thing uh, to think about is, is whether you should embrace some telemedicine and that there were actually several questions in the survey about telemedicine. And, you know, I think the shocking thing for me was, although uh, only 25% were never, ever using any telemedicine, which I defined as, you know, looking at, say, a photograph of a wound or a video or something that they were sending to you on on your phone. Um, So it was a pretty broad definition. Only 25% weren't doing it at all. So that meant 75% were doing it. But shockingly, 75% didn't charge for it. And so that's got to change. And, you know, people's comments indicated they know that. Uh, And another really interesting thing was that when people, so we had 75% that didn't charge at all, which left us with 25%. Of the 25% left that were charging, 10% of those, so a pretty big proportion of what who was left over, charged $50 or more. And so, you know, those that had decided, hey, my time is worth something, and my time is worth this much an hour, And this person, most of my telemedicine calls take this much of an hour. I mean, they were, that's a a reasonable, if if you're giving value, that is very reasonable. So, but that was a little shocking. Uh, Veterinarians only have their time to sell. And so to give your time away, you know, is is probably not not a uh, a good use of it. Um, but that can really help to figure out whether you need to go to see something and maybe the owner really isn't quite sure whether this is super serious or not. Yeah. You know. And all of this we know has has caused stress. And you had mentioned before some of the things that um, you had asked to, to see if they were stressed. But what uh, what are some of the things that you would suggest after having seen the results of this survey that the veterinary industry might be moving forward to to help reduce some of this stress in our industry? I think um, one of the first things is that people need connection. And I think what happens sometimes when we are stressed is that we don't have the energy. We certainly don't have the time, but sometimes the energy to reach out to the other people that we know and that we love and get that feeling of connection, that belonging to a tribe and a family that understands us and accepts us. And, you know, we can offload some of the 
you know, how was your day? Do you really want to know? <laughs> but you can offload some of that. And so those that were connecting with friends and family regularly, um, those people are able to offload some of their stress and feel like they're connected and loved. And as human beings, that's something that we need. Yeah. Another thing is the whole exercise thing, because it is, you know, excellent in in reducing stress and reducing, you know, symptoms or signs of depression and anxiety by moving your body. Um, and so practices need to be very aware that people need to have time to do these things that are important for their health and well-being. And what that may mean is forming emergency coalitions, um, moving to a four-day work week, um, or or maybe just having a, a hard stop to the day where whoever is on call is going to take over it at that time so that they know they're going to, if they want to go run before it's pitch dark, that they know their day's over at four. Something like that, you know, and, and whoever is on emergency call will will go from there. Um, kind of decreasing that you need to be available 24-7 for all of your clients to reach you. That has to stop. That has to stop. And is, I know that we, you and I had mentioned before we started this podcast that we could probably be here the rest of the day going over <laughs> some of the information in the podcast. But if there is there anything else that you in particular want to bring up that we learned from this survey? I think one of the things that is important for people to know is that they're not alone in what they're feeling. That these, the you know, going and, and looking at the statistics here, looking at the results, who, you know, how many respondents said the same thing, you know, that's part of being connected. That's part of feeling like, you know what? This is pretty normal, <clears throat> pretty normal for equine veterinarians. And I think that helps when you don't feel like you're the only one. Yeah, and that's that's always, like you said, having having that tribe mentality and understanding that there's a lot of people going through the same thing that you are. And some people are figuring it out. So there is hope. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, when I talk to practice owners and and they are telling me about the things that they're doing um, to change their practices, it it really it's very gratifying to see that people it's because change is hard. We all kind of want to stay with with what we're doing. I mean, I find myself I, I am very good at office. I love using Word and Excel, but you know what? People like Google Docs, <laughs> you know, it's hard to change, but, you know, change we must. Well, and on that point, we're going to we're going to leave today because, as we said, we could talk about this for a while. But we we want to make sure everyone knows that they can go on equimanagement.com. We'll make sure and have a link out of this podcast article so that you can find the article on the website that gives a lot of great information. Again, breaking it out by how many years you've been out of school and your age and even some demographics really, I think, helps to sort out some of these issues and some of the solutions. Mm -hmm. I agree. And 
We want to thank you again for joining us on the Business Practice Podcast and a big thanks to our sponsor, Care Credit. And we invite you to visit equimanagement.com or your favorite podcast network, such as iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, to hear each episode of the Business of Practice. If you've missed some in the past, make sure you go back and catch up. And if you have any questions or suggestions, send an email to me at kbrown, that's the letter K Brown at equinenetwork.com. The Business of Practice podcast is a production of the Equine Podcast Network, an entity of the Equine Network, LLC.